We have approached the second round of the NBA playoffs. My beloved Lakers are dead and buried. It's so bad that LeBron is already looking towards next season, looking towards the offseason with Space Jam, New Jersey number. AD feels like he's not worthy of number 23, apparently. It's been all downhill for your boy. I was puffing my chest out. We were up 2-1, and it was looking good. And then next thing you know, the, the bottom fell out. And now we're in the second round where there's no Lakers, but you still have the Clippers. You still have the Nets. You still have teams that you can love to hate while enjoying the game. You have some some teams you might look at as plucky. The Phoenix Suns, the Utah Jazz. They, they, they might not belong here, but they look like they belong here. But nevertheless, this is the gray area, and I am your host, Ray Jarvis. Showtime! Woo! With me as we get through the NBA playoffs, as promised, Mike Miller, sucker-free NBA playoff talk. Mike, what's good? Let's cook, bro. Yo, 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 what's good, my bro, Jarv, man? Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, friends and enemies, and we cannot forget Jarv, the sucker MC, man. We can never forget them. <laughs> the sucker MCs. The sucker MCs provide the content. <laughs> you, you know it. <laughs> you know it. Yeah, it feels good to be here, man. Man, I appreciate you as always, brother, just for letting me come along this journey with you, man. You already know the people like when we get together, so I try to give the people what they want, Mike. Salute to the people, man. Last week we couldn't chop it up, you know, scheduling, but this week I need to get your opinions because I know you have a ton of them about what the Phoenix Suns did to my beloved Lakers. You don't have to spend too much time, but from your point of view, what happened there? Um, Man, if, if you, it's, it's kind of crazy, too, because you can look at the whole series or hyper-focus on Game 6, because Fact. Game 6, something amazing happened. Okay. And what happened in Game 6 was you saw the ascension of a star potentially becoming a superstar. All right. And you saw that in Devin Booker. And I and and we we saw early on in the series that he was only doing good in in uh, in Phoenix, and so Game Six was going to be so important because everyone wanted to see well, can he actually play good on the road? We know this watching playoffs. That's a that's one of the biggest tests that's a stamp. for stars. That's the exactly that's the that's the way we judge you. Everybody plays good at home. But especially in the playoffs, hostile crowd. Now, of course, your Lakers didn't have full capacity, but it's still the staple center. The aura is still there. The banners still hang above you. So we wanted to see how this young kicker played there, and he dropped 47. It was phenomenal. So, and of course, we do have to factor in that AD didn't play. The two games that you guys won, AD played phenomenal. And most of the game, he played phenomenal. But I, to me, the bigger story is... We are watching this young kid, Devin Booker. We knew he could get 70 in, in garbage time of regular season when no one cares. We finally get to see him on the playoff stage, and he rose and shone. So I was very impressed with, with Devin Booker and just how he played in, in the whole series, especially that closeout game. That's a fact, bro. Uh, salute to Devin Bean Booker because that was a very – Kobe-esque performance in that closeout game. I, I talked about it a few times. There was a play in the first half. He was on the left baseline, one-on-one. -on -one. The double came, and he spun baseline with the fadeaway. And I'm like, oh, man, that's a Kobe move. And it was like, at that moment, I wanted to turn the channel because it's like, we made a little bit of a push. And I'm like, how are you out here doing your best Kobe impression in a closeout game mm -hmm. six against the Lakers in Staples Center. That that turnaround mm -hmm. jumper spinning baseline away from the double team is Kobe's bread and butter. Like, 
it it, it made right. me sick in one sense, but at the same time, because game recognizes game, I had to appreciate right. it. There's a lot of people out here who want to see Laker fans upset. But let me be clear, and I've been saying this, and you got a couple of podcasts out here hyped that the Phoenix Suns won, and they talking about they shocked the world. In my opinion, you cannot shock the world by beating an injured team. You know, like we can't pretend as if the series wasn't one way with AD played, and the series didn't immediately flip upon the second AD took himself out of game four. The Lakers up, I believe, about 11 or 12. And then the minute AD went down in the second quarter, the game flipped, and we got ran out the gym from the second AD got hurt to the end of the series. If you want to pretend that that didn't happen and say that you shocked the world, if you want to live in that fallacy and enjoy that tainted win, that's cool. That's cool. But we're not going to pretend over here in the gray area. Why? Because I have the energy for the folks who look at people like Steph Curry and said that he benefited from injuries and he's not like that, right? I'm not talking to Ant. Right. It's a, a lot. Ant, this one time, I'm not I'm not talking to you. What I'm saying is for that segment of individuals who killed Steph, but now are celebrating a son's victory, that don't add up to me. Because if, if you know, Chris Paul was hurt and the Lakers won, the first thing they would have said was Chris Paul was hurt, but now you don't want to hear it when, AD, when AD goes down and the series flips. Enjoy your tainted victory, but we're not going to pretend. I got to repeat that. We are not going to pretend. All summer long, Mike, I'm being honest with you. I'm going to run it. AD was hurt. We were up 2-1. We were controlling the series, and he nah, got hurt. Nah, Ray, I'm saying do it. That, I'm, I'm doing That's what happened. You can't do it. That's what happened. Bro, as much as... Bro, as you and I both know, as, as Stephen Curry protectors, we understand his legacy is important right. because he is one of the all-time greats. I am one of those people that hate profusely when people mention, oh, Kyrie and Kevin Love didn't play, and if they would have played, LeBron would have won. Because we literally don't know that. Now, this series is different. I'm not going to lie. We saw the impact of AD. But but the only reason why I'm saying we can't do that is because in that, because we don't know, because they're always, the Phoenix Suns fans will always, like you said, they're going to point to, oh, well, game one, Chris Paul had one arm, essentially. Right. That's why they lost. They're going to point to that, and allegedly, right? And so then you get into this back and forth of whose injury was more impactful. So that's why, for me, that's why I open with saying, we're going to acknowledge it, no right. doubt. But that's what I'm saying. You, yo, bro, you got, what y'all got, 17 chips? Yep. Yo, bro, you good. Like, you ain't got to fight. You ain't got to fight back against people saying Phoenix. Let them have their moment. Don't let them get too crazy. But we don't got to get into the injury thing because we, like you, again, we're basketball fans, ultimately. So we love the sport. What we saw Devin Booker do, we can celebrate that, bro. We we know, like, we can't always, to use your term, bozos, we can't always pay attention to the bozos. You know this. Like, the bozos that have us arguing all day about this person was... Great and, and overrated. Uh, we gonna let's salute Phoenix for for a year that they had. It was incredible, and I agree with you though that we're not gonna say it's it's a miracle or anything. They were the two seed. Like right. we gonna call it what it is. They were the two seed. So they the two seed beat the seven seed again. The Lakers would have been higher, but nevertheless, it's mm-hmm. a two seed beating a seven seed. We gonna call it that. And but nah, bro, you good, bro. You y'all, y'all you you still are a Laker fan. That says a lot for everybody. <laughs> Non, Non-Celtics fans or Lakers fans, y'all at the top of the mountain. So, like, come on, bro. You ain't got to deal with the, 
with the Phoenix Suns of the world. Nah, bro, they, you ain't got to do all that, man. Don't give them all some of that smoke, man. They all right. Like, let them man. let them rock for a little bit. Who, who, who would have thought that Mike Miller would be talking a Laker fan off the ledge? Listen, all I'm saying is the hypocrisy annoys me, okay? And be, no because I populate in a sports fan space, dealing with this hypocrisy from certain people who I expect better of, I, it bothers me, you know? We know what we saw. You can't, my whole thing is you can't have the energy you've had for Steph Curry and then over-celebrate the Suns' victory. That is hypocrisy 101. Mm -hmm. But we're going to transition away from that topic because we got to talk about current events. The Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets might be in position to play one of the most entertaining second-round series in recent memory. The Phoenix Suns came out there, they took care of business in game one. It was a bit of a slugfest of two and a half quarters, and then the Suns went on the run and they pulled away late in the fourth. Uh, from from uh, matter of fact, let me start first for a change. I like Denver in this series partially because I want the Suns up out of there because they beat my team because I keep it a hundred hand a gray year. But, but also Respect. because respectfully, respectfully, I'm low key looking at Denver, and I think I've said this to you, and I've said it on other shows. Denver is in position to be what Dirk Nowitzki's Mavs was in the previous decade. They're going to be a team mm. if they keep their group together in the West mm. for a while. They're going to sneak in a couple of finals appearances, and they might get a chip. Mm. The way the West shook Ooh. out now. If Murray didn't get hurt, I know we don't do ifs, but I do ifs. I don't follow the sports hit list rules. I do ifs. If Murray doesn't get hurt, to me, the way the West looks right now, you could argue that Denver might be the favorite to come out the West because they're that good. It's a mm. lot of talent. Mm. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is starting to figure things out on a pro level, and he and his game is starting to travel. As you spoke about it a few seconds ago, playing on the road. That's, that's a key component of letting us know how like that you actually are. His game is starting to travel. Mm-hmm. They have the length. They have the athleticism. They have the now MVP Nikola Jokic. To me, this team has all the makings to deal with uh, Denver. But then I thought about it, Mike, and I'll throw this to you. Much like the Lakers... I think the issue is going to come down to with Phoenix in this matchup is who are the guards on Denver that's going to make Chris Paul and Devin Booker play defense? I looked at the backcourt of the Lakers. They didn't have to play defense against KCP, Caruso, Schroeder, Wes Matthews, and all of these other players. I look at the backcourt for Denver, and I'm like, they don't have any killers. in the. This is where Murray would have come in handy because now you got to deal with Murray. So now I'm concerned that because of this, the two most important pieces on Phoenix – only have to play one side of the ball at the highest level. How concerned are you about wow. that in this matchup? Or do you have Phoenix winning this outright? That 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 is my number one concern, bro. Okay. And and man, I, I didn't hear you mention that, but man, it's an incredible take. And I don't know if you heard, but I've been on I've been high on Denver for years okay. because of my uh, affection for Jamal Murray's game. I love Jamal Murray's game. It's like and last year for me was so uh, gratifying, not it's not an ego thing, but it's just you love to see these stars that you see have the potential. You love them reach that potential to a lot of ways and exceed it. When he was dropping 50 on Donovan Mitchell and shouts out to him and, and made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals, I said, yes, this is J- Jamal Murray coming out of Kentucky that we were all looking forward to seeing. So I definitely agree with you that Denver, could, I said they could be like a Warriors type of team where that core, him, Joker and uh, MPJ, that's your three core right there that you can go to the future with five, ten years winning. So I definitely agree with you, but I do think that is going to be their struggle against Phoenix. You saw it a little bit in game one. Now, Capazzo has inserted him. Now, he ain't Jamal Murray, (laughs) but the little point guard, but 
He's a veteran, meaning he's a 30-year-old rookie. So he's played European basketball at a high level from Argentina. So he's not phased by the pressure. That's what you saw in the Portland series. And that's how we can we can kind of feel good about, because I'm picking Denver too to win in seven. You can feel good about Denver being, their guards particularly being able to withstand backcourt play because we know that Portland's backcourt is better than Phoenix's backcourt. Absolutely. We know this. True. We know Dame and CJ, Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker. Devin Booker is really carrying that backcourt. You know what Facts. I'm saying? It's like it's like early Steph and Clay, where they're both great, but we really know Steph is the supreme superstar <laughs> and Clay does his own. It's the same thing with Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker. Because when you look at game one, Chris Paul was two for eight through the first three quarters. Uh, they, uh, Mikel Bridges... Uh, killed in the third quarter. Phoenix was already up 13 in the fourth quarter when Chris Paul went six for six. So his six, his 21 points was a little bit oversaturated. And we know you, you and I both know how we feel about Chris Paul. <laughs> so we ain't gonna get into that. We not. But no, I do think specifically their guard play can play better, especially my man Austin Rivers. Okay. You know, I know most people Austin Rivers over the years been people punching back. I've always loved Austin Rivers. I think he has game. I think him, Capazzo, and Monte Morris went one for ten. Monte Morris is one of my one of the guys I just like watching because I never think he's gonna miss. But he's one of those unsung heroes. Right. I, and you saw it in the Portland series. Those two guards particularly, uh, Austin Rivers had all those late threes. I, I think in game five, and Monte Morris played big in game six. They have the guards that are capable. Because remember, Chris Paul ain't the Chris Paul that we're used to seeing. In a great level, he never was that great of a scorer anyway. Fact. So you're saying, can they off? Basically, what you're talking about is, can they offset to some degree Devin Booker's production? Well, and I believe that here. they can. With those three guards, I think that they can. You know, that's so that's I'm picking Denver. That's oh, okay. So we are the same boat. Uh, I didn't think of it that way. Shout out to you for, for shining that light. The Portland series was exactly a tune-up for what to expect in this matchup. I, I never even factored that in. I just look at how, I was looking at how hot Devin Booker is and, you know, respect this dude yeah. to Chris Paul. Chris Paul getting healthy from his alleged shoulder injury, you know, getting getting better and better and building momentum. I didn't think about the fact that they just had to go against Nuclear Dame and CJ for, for about five games yeah. or six games. So think that would that. give him... They had to withstand Dame. They had to withstand Dame getting 55. Right. Like... That's like fair. they've seen it, That's so fair. they they know what a, a high powered guard does. So and then I'm it. seeing Woj tweeted out earlier today that on the Denver side, Will Barton is going to test his hamstring, and I feel like Will Barton is going to uh, be really important for this team in this match. Oh yeah, they need their full mm-hmm. allotment of guards against them because you know what? That's right. In the front court, if you have the new the new league's MVP, the latest choice by the media to be the face of the league, Nikola Jokic, he went. They're gonna win mm-hmm. a front court battle. You know, Michael Porter Jr., right. Aaron Gordon. They have stallions in the front court. So yes. now it, it comes down Absolutely. to who's gonna get the most stops, whose best players That's are gonna right. shine. And you know what? Some people call right. it hate, but when it comes to Chris Paul, he finds ways to lose, whether he's on the court or injured. Somewhere, 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 the other, the other shoe falls. And because, again, I'm saying this, and we talk about being sports fans, the Denver Nuggets are the NBA team that you, that you keep an eye on who makes the natural progression, right? Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, they lost in the conference finals game seven at the crib. Then they got over the hump last year in the bubble. Say what you want about the bubble. They got over the hump in the first round in a dogfight of a series. 
came back against the Clippers in a dogfight of a series, and then went home. It was a five piece by the Lakers, but we're we not gonna act like they like we didn't have to earn out those four wins against Denver. Denver is a team who's been ascending, and they're doing it the old school way, way where you just don't show up with a super team. You keep running the back, and you get better and better right. and better. And I think if this series right. goes too deep, if it gets to a game six and gets to a game seven, we saw against Portland. Denver knows how to close out games. This is a thing that the media right. doesn't talk about enough of. Close out games and what separates the elite playoff teams from the teams who are just in the playoffs, right? It's one thing mm-hmm. to close out a team that's missing their best player. No offense, Phoenix. It's another thing to go up against Dame Lillard, one of the best in the league, top five or top ten, depending on who you ask, and go to the crib down about double digits early and still close them out on mm-hmm. the road. Denver is a seasoned mm-hmm. playoff team, and if this series gets deep... I got Denver. I had Denver in six, but you know what? I'm going to be a little more respectful to the Phoenix Suns. I'm going to agree with you. This is going to go seven games, and I feel like the MVP mm-hmm. is going to take them home. Yep. I agree. I agree, brother. I, I, like I said, I echo every sentiment because I, it, it has been, and that's why they reminded me. That's why I compared them to the Warriors a couple years ago Fact. because it reminds me of the era of basketball I grew up to love, the era we grew up in, where you had to actually build a team, and you couldn't just you couldn't just get a bunch of free agents. So you had to build a team, and you had to you had to find pieces that fit, right. and players had to develop around each other and get better. Build and like culture, like you just that. said, exactly, go through those wars, go through those heartbreaking losses, experience some things, and then you see them come out on top. So that's what Denver's doing, and I'm 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 excited about it. I am. All right, let's stay in the West. Utah Jazz and, and, and the Clippers. Another, another enticing matchup. Yeah. Although I feel like it might yes, be a sir. bit of a styles clash as far as the entertainment factor that we'll see in Denver Phoenix, it's still going to be entertaining mm-hmm. nonetheless. The general consensus around NBA circles, NBA fans are, are they're hitting the snooze button on Utah. They're not buying what Utah is selling. And, you know, in a weird kind of way, I feel like the, the sports guys are setting up a Titanic rematch of the first round with Utah and Denver, but we don't. We just don't want to see it. You know, I'm guilty of it. I'm not buying what Utah is selling. I look at the, the, the Los Angeles Clippers, and this is where they're supposed to be. They made all that noise getting PG and Kawhi. They are supposed to be here. They had no business going seven games. We, we spoke about this a couple weeks Hello. back. They were supposed they were supposed to dominate Dallas. They were supposed to make a statement. They were supposed to prove me wrong. In fact, the, the doubts have gotten louder. But even with the louder doubts, this matchup says a team like Utah is not supposed to be able to knock out Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and, and the Los Angeles Clippers. Game one, a bit of a slugfest. They went back and forth. Utah had some some decent leads, but again, because the Clippers are so good, and, they, and we've just saw the last round, they know how to come back. They made it interesting. Rudy Gobert sealed the game with a block to stop it from going to overtime. I'm still going with the Clippers. I don't think Utah is good enough, Mike. Player for player, I love the offense that they play. You know, I'm not a fan of Rudy Gobert, and I feel like as the series goes along, once Ty Lue decides that he wants to catch Rudy Gay out there on switches because it's going to happen, some of y'all act like it doesn't happen anymore, but it happens. Once they identify how to get Rudy Gay, Rudy, Rudy Gobert in compromising positions, I think that's where the series mm-hmm. flips, and they have the two two of the best wings in the game who are capable. Granted, they're calling them playoff P or pandemic P after a bad game one. We know what Paul George has to earn his stripes. But what better way to earn the stripes than taking advantage of a big with poor lateral movement? I'm just saying. I like the Clippers in six. I need Utah Jazz now to prove me wrong. Gauntlet's been dropped again. The Utah Jazz needs to prove me wrong because I'm going with Clip City in this matchup. 
Come on. So, so Ray, let me try to convince you okay. to go with Utah. So, you know, I've been high on Utah all year. Donovan indeed, Mitchell. Indeed. I've, been watch- I've been watching them a lot. And, man, it was like a couple months ago, I, I like, started paying attention. I've been paying attention to them all year, but I started looking at their numbers and their metrics. And, like, their metrics, like, point to their championship team right now. And so when we talk, like just the last series, when we talk about building a culture and building a core, like there, I think part of the, the, I, and I'm gonna call it disrespect of them. Part of that is twofold. One, they're in Utah, like LeBron said in all-star get, uh, game selections. Nobody really cares about Utah like that. That's the first thing. The second thing is that like, like I just said, the unfamiliarity the, in this day, of building a culture. They built this team. They've been through the wars. They've been through the losses. And for some strange reason, you didn't mention the man's name, but for some strange reason, Donovan Mitchell, we just don't want to say he's a superstar. Now, we're willing to say well, it about Luca because he, get, he gets Donovan 40 and Luka. It's a brand name. Just to jump in. I think maybe that's what it is. And okay. Maybe we're my... Because niggas, I like Donovan Mitchell. Like, I'm, we're going to get into him in yeah. a second, but I'm just thinking yeah. about the matchup. I don't know if, if Mitch... Is gonna put the kind of pressure on the Clippers over the over the body of a series that a Kawhi Leonard okay. can against Utah. So, but I respect him. I just don't think he's that level of a brand name just yet. Yeah, right, right. It's early. It's his fourth year, which is which is part of why I think he's being disrespected because it's incredible that in four years he's accomplished what he's accomplished, True. particularly in the postseason. Because we know postseason is where you. Kenny Smith always says, "Regular season you make your name." Postseason, you make your fame. That kind of makes been me a hypocrite, Mike. What? Yeah, saying, hypocrite. That makes me kind of a hypocrite because he's doing everything I want players to do, and I'm not even talking nice about it. A- absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But that, but that's okay. That's what I'm saying. That, that's why we're friends. That's why we're bros. We, we're here to talk these things through. I'm trying to convince you of this. Okay. So here's why I think the matchup favors. I'm picking the Jazz and Six. Here's why I think the matchup favors them very well. One of the things that the Clippers showed in the Dallas series is that first of all they can't stop one elite scorer. They Luca had 46 14 and 7 in the last in the seven game closeout. He averaged like 40 in that series. So they've already shown that these two so-called great defenders, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are not those type of defenders anymore. Okay. Particularly because they both have to run that offense. Because as much as everybody loves playoff Rondo, he ain't running your offense for 40 minutes. So those two, particularly Paul George running the one a lot of times or facilitating and Kawhi doing more facilitating, they're running your offense. There's such a burden on them offensively that they can't expend that defensively. The difference between Luka and Donovan Mitchell, though, is that Donovan Mitchell's a lot faster getting to the basket so he can keep them on their heels. So I believe he can pressure them. But now the other, now expand it further. They have all of the pieces that they can send multiple bodies. What do we always say about players like, for example, LeBron James, when he when he goes up against teams? We're always asking the question, how many people do you have that can guard him? Not just one person. Right. How many people? How Rabbit. many bodies can you throw just at LeBron? Small four. I need, I need a multitude like the Warriors when they play them. It's not just Iggy. It's KD. It's, it's, it's Sean Livingston. It's, it's Draymond. We throwing. It's mad people you throwing at LeBron. The Utah Jazz have many people they can throw at Kawhi Leonard because he's their premium scorer, not sure. Paul George. Sure. Kawhi Leonard is. They have Royce O'Neal. They're going to start with. 
Donovan Mitchell's going to get some time, even though he's a lot shorter. They got uh, people they who have, can bang um, with Kawhi when he wants to get in exactly. the post. Exactly. They have Joe, Joe Ingles, Ingles physical. I think Bogdanovich super is physical. There. Bogdanovich. So, so now they have the bodies that can guard him. Now, how about scoring? They're the only team in the league that was top five in defense and offense. And you saw that a lot in the first game. And you definitely saw it against the Memphis series. And I love what you just said earlier about Denver and their ability to close runs. That's what Utah has now learned how to do at an extremely high level. Because in that Memphis series, Memphis kept threatening mm -hmm. and they were close quarters on 10 to 2 runs, 14 to 5 runs. Same thing they did to the Clippers yesterday uh, in the first game. So I think if you combine all that and just really quick to your point of Rudy Gobert, because we saw it in that last play. Mm -hmm. Lou's already committed to the small line because he started Marcus Morris. So he's committed to it already. So he don't give a damn more about or less, Rudy Gobert. Yeah, so more or less, but more or less they've shown their hand. that th That's their adjustment, is that, because they did it against the Mavs. They realized, oh, if Zubac keeps playing, they're going to put him in pick and roll. So he's committed to this small lineup, similar to what Steve Kerr did with his small ball lineup in the finals yep. where, against uh, the Cavs. He realized, oh, snap, I don't need to play both it. I'm just going to play Iggy at the five, thus created the death lineup. So I think uh, Quinn Snyder of... Of Utah, the coach of Utah, he's already seen pretty much what what um, what their the Clippers are going to do in terms so of you're trying saying to the Clippers tip their hand out. too early. I think they tip their hand way too. I was expecting them to start go back to their conventional lineup, mm -hmm. considering that Utah has a conventional lineup and start with Zubat, see how that works because he was having some success right. with Rudy, particularly in the second and third quarter. Probably draw a foul or two. It, Exactly, but but Rudy tends to at times see he's a good on ball defender. He's a good uh, defender in terms of one on one, but he's really good in area. Yes, he's so a team defender. A he's a team times, defending big rim protector. He's team. a good. He's a great a, elite team defender, but a lot of times he can get abused in the one on one matchup. Mm -hmm. So I thought Tyloo was going to try it out with your conventional lineup. That's why you got Zubac and try it. But the fact that he went to Marcus Morris immediately, to me, told me, you already tipped your hand, so you don't have, that's one of your biggest counter punches that you use, you're already using it in game one and loss. So to me, and then between all the shooters, and we, they're, they're, uh, Utah has a supremely better bench than, than the Clippers, yep. who relied solely on their scoring. Jordan Clarkson, flamethrower, he's coming in getting 18, Six 20, of the year. 20, he had 21, I think, in the first game. Six man of the year. So Joe Ingles is like co six man of the year. And remember, Mike Conley didn't even play game one. I think he's gonna play game two. Mike Conley. So now you have another difference. ball handler. Exactly. You had another ball handler, another scorer, another defender. So I just think overall they're up there. They're a complete team if there ever was a complete team in this year. And I think being a the Clippers are not really a complete team. They have two stars. And, and a good and a, and a a nice assortment of pieces. You know what's but funny, I think with Mike? Utah's mm -hmm. to jump in, like I think we mentioned this before. If the Clippers run back the mm -hmm. same team they had last season, they're the prohibitive favorites right now. I don't know why they changed the dynamic of their team. They mm -hmm. had a better bench. They had mm -hmm. more dogs on the roster. I don't know why they. That's I don't right. know why they went away from that. Panic. Panic, bro. You know how that is when you lose. You lose in such a dramatic fashion, and the whole world screams at you. You panic and blow it up. Okay. I, they, they had the, they had the sixth man of the year and the co-sixth man of the year. The same thing Utah has this year. They had it last year. Mm. 
with Montrez and Luke. So they had it this. last year. Let me ask you this, this before we move on. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Earlier in the group, we got to go back to the group for a second. What, one, of, one of the guys did mm-hmm. said that Rudy Gobert was the best player on the Jazz and he doesn't quite respect or see the importance of a Donovan Mitchell because he feels like what Donovan Mitchell Dumb. brings to the floor is replaceable. To that, you say what? Dumb. Dumb. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And it's part of it's part of this, like I said, the two reasons why they're disrespected. Number one is Utah. Number two, it's unfamiliar. We're not used to the teams actually building and their superstars getting better over the years. Donovan Mitchell has increased his points per game Fuck. average at least by two every single year since he's been in the playoffs. Uh, you, when it, Ray, we, we've been watching ball long enough. When have we ever heard of a 26-point-per-game scorer on the number one team that doesn't get a single vote for MVP? Yeah. We ain't ne- when was the last time we heard that? Never. But I it's just because... <laughs> I, I, was, I was racking my brain all day to try to think if that ever has happened. But it's because it's unfamiliar, because Donovan Mitchell doesn't look like that to us, because we, people, let's keep it 100, people just don't really watch Utah. They don't watch it. Right. So to say that Rudy Gobert is better than him is nonsense. To, it, that, that, to me, exhibits someone who does not watch the Utah Jazz. You know what's And funny? you just like that he played good. You can't replace 45 points. In, in a playoff game, they were using, on sixteen for thirty shooting. They were using that 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 dangerous thing called analytics to support a, a, a very very bad take. I can understand the numbers saying whatever they say about Rudy Gobert in comparison to a Donovan Mitchell because Donovan Mitchell, to a certain degree, he's a, he's a wing player or a guard from from a previous era. He 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 would blend That's in right. more with 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 the the, the, the late prom Kobe era of the D Wade's, the Kobe's, the right. Mellows. Not as super right. efficient as the guys we like to see these days. But to me, when, right. I, when, when people hit me over the head with analytic talk, I said, let's go to the film. You can say that number, you go. numbers are always replaceable. And this is the thing that you analytic nerds have to understand when it comes to basketball. You can't correlate analytics as much to basketball as you can to baseball because thing Hello. called gravity. If Donovan Mitchell is on the floor, he inherently makes everyone else better because there's a at least, at the minimum, a body and a half wherever he is on the basketball floor. It's called shading people. You can't find that on a calculator. They shade defenses to wherever this player is on the floor. And if they're shading to stop Donovan Mitchell or make his life miserable, that means that guys like Joe Ingles are going to have more open looks, but Donovan's going to have more open looks, so on and so Then then the rim runner gets easy finishes at the rim because of the way the spacing is set up, because of the fact that they're hedging to a certain side with Donovan Mitchell. So when you talk analytics, guys, I love y'all. But you have to understand, if you're not bringing me that film talk with analytics to support what you see on film, don't talk to me about certain things. With respect. With that's respect. A, but don't talk to me. That's a fact. Respectfully. But we, go, but we, great. This, this is why we do what we do, my brother. This is why the gray area is so important for people. Because we're going to have basketball talk. We just can't do the chatty patty and play or only focus on narratives or only focus on stats. No, we watch basketball here. And so you have to watch the games. And look no further than this year's playoffs. Game one against Memphis. Rudy Gobert was still there. Mm -hmm. They lost a close game. They They was losing most of the game. What happens? Donovan Mitchell is the only player right now that's undefeated in the playoffs. We keep it at 100. Like, mm-hmm. they're 5-0 and since he played. He didn't play game one. He was pissed. The Jazz lost. He came back automatically. The whole Four thing straight. looked different. But you only know that, like you said, if you watch the games. Let's talk you got to watch the games. Let's go over to the Eastern Conference now. We have, yes, I would say, close to an equivalent on the entertainment scale matchup with Phoenix and Denver with Philly and the Hawks. 
We have some people yes. who are either villains or burgeoning villains in Trey Young. Shout out to Trey Young's. Shout out to MB. I like this matchup a lot. I liked it more after I saw the first two games than I did going into the series. I'll keep it 100. You know, right. the Hawks, right. I told Bozo Nation, y'all hype about this Hawks matchup. Y'all <laughs> didn't want to see the Hawks, okay? After game two, I went in multiple group chats, and I said, this series is over. Mind you, the Knicks had one game two. The only reason this series wasn't a sweep mm. was because the Hawks missed open looks. The Hawks got whatever look mm. they wanted against the Knicks. Transition that to the Philly series, and I'm kind of seeing more of the same. They are running their offense. Mm -hmm. They're getting the looks. Mm -hmm. It's a make or miss league. It, I don't know. Philly Philly has to figure out how to adjust their defensive rotations. Honestly, I'm looking at Ben Simmons. I don't even need a bucket from Ben Simmons. I don't want Ben Simmons glued to one body. If I'm Philly, I'm unlocking the Draymond aesthetic in Ben Simmons. I need mm -hmm. you everywhere. Yeah. I need you to be a menace right. for both games. We need one of them in, in Atlanta or we in trouble. Unlock 6'10 athlete Ben Simmons chasing people off mm -hmm. the perimeter meeting people at the rim, being able to mm -hmm. do what AD does where he could switch and still get back in time to block a shot or contest. We need all of that. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't play top-level defense against the Hawks, they're going to run you out of the gym. All right? <laughs> With respect. I'm not even trying to hop on a wave. But I know what I'm seeing. And the thing is about them, they they, they were solid. They started off the season slow. Some people were saying the free agency was bad. They're, they're a disappointment. But they, were, they are the perfect embodiment of a team that ran the marathon. They started from a low point yeah, in the beginning totally. of the season, and month by month by month by month, they started to figure it out. A lot of new pieces, That's new right. chemistry, and now you're starting to see them hit their top level in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. If Philly decides yeah, that they happen. don't, bro, if Philly doesn't figure out what they're up against, Trey Young and them boys, to quote mm -hmm. Stephen A, are going to run you out of the gym because you can't stop them from getting whatever look they want. This is, you know what? The, mm -hmm. the only other team I've seen do this right now are the Brooklyn Nets. And before that, Golden State, where right. each and every possession, we're going to get the shot we want. It's only a matter if we take the right shot or make the shot. What do you got to say about That's this right. series, Mike? Man, so so who you got in the series? Who you got? I still got Philly out of respect, but the Hawks might make me change my mind. Where you... Where you got him in? I had the Hawks taking them in six games. I didn't think I didn't think this had seven games. I figured the Hawks were a cool story against the Knicks. They play a big boy in Philly, and Philly would deal with them. But right. through two through two games, that that six that I called might 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 go seven. Hey, hey, hey man, I'm with you on the on on Philly in six. I I think they have the advantage, okay. but like you said, I don't I don't know because we've seen. Listen, Trey introduced himself to the world in that next series. And he did it on the stage. And you know me, as a Reggie Miller fan, you know mm -hmm. I love everything love about that. that. <laughs> Him being a villain in the garden, it reminded me of Reggie. So you know I love that. So I, I'm very excited, but I agree with you. Doc Rivers, and he did it in game two. You get, Doc Rivers said, hmm, this dude said he's the best perimeter defender in the league. Let's see. He put him on Trey. The block he got in the first quarter kind of mm -hmm, set the tone. Mm -hmm. and, he, and he was crying. At, and Ben Simmons was crying after the game one about he couldn't be aggressive. And so they letting him be aggressive. And they're going to let him bump Trey. Because this is what you, it's again, talking about Steph Curry. It's the playoffs. This is what everybody's strategy was for Steph Curry the first two years pre-KD. Was just, let's see if we could beat him up the whole time. Now, of course, it didn't really work. But that was, that's the strategy with a small guard, is let's see if we could beat him up as much as we can, send a bunch of double teams, different looks. But I agree with you. 
don't focus solely on Trey because they got multiple scores. Make no Ben awesome. Simmons your octopus. Let him be your. Let him have his arms everywhere and let him guard everywhere because that's what he was doing in game two. It was impressive, and so that's what I see will ultimately outweigh and especially DeAndre Hunter. They're starting. They're starting small forward mm-hmm. is missing the whole series now, mm-hmm. and nobody mentioned it. But I'm like, yo, y'all don't understand how good he played against the Knicks. So that's gonna Fact. hurt them. But they and Solomon Hill not giving them nothing right now. So, so but, let me um, ask you this, Mike. Let me ask you this. How important? Yes, because I felt like the pace of the first two games was to the Hawks' benefit. The, yeah. the, do the Sixers need to slow down to win this matchup, or can they keep this pace up and outscore no. them? And you know what? That's a great question, Ray. And that's such a challenge. It's, it's challenging from this standpoint because this is this. Your question actually speaks to the larger chemistry okay. of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Okay. Ben Simmons is more impactful moving fast. Joel Embiid is more impactful Fact. slowing down. That's been the and Doc Rivers, to his credit, has found a way to make it work because they're actually have a good synergy together. But I think because of that reality, they can actually play both. They can play fast and play slow. Now, to your your question directly is talking about as it relates to playing against the Hawks. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you're not playing against yourself in a gym. You're playing against an opponent. The Hawks want to go fast. So since you have the ability to slow down, I say slow them down. Slow them down and let MB punish them. He's already averaging 40. Let him punish him. If you, if you, because they want to run. They prefer to run. So you slow them down because you can play it. Now, if you couldn't play it, don't do it. But since you can play it, you got Tobias Harris who can score in the in the low block and get it in a variety of ways. Okay. So you have two primary scorers that can play a slower pace. And you also, Ben Simmons is better in transition, which you can use him for that. But again, in this series, you don't need him to score really. Now, if I'm the Hawks, I'm going to devise a way to make him score. I'm going to make him score. I'm going to make him shoot. We are going to make, we're doubling MB from now on. All right. And we're going to double off of, we're going to do the same formula that everybody had against the Sixers these past two years in the playoffs. This is where I'm going to jump in at. This is where I'm going to jump in at, Mike, because I know what you're saying. And this is where guys like Shakes Milton, uh, Seth Curry, and Tobias Harris need to make sure that they're on their A game so that you can't pack the paint. You can't sag off of Ben Simmons because you have to respect the spacing that these shooters allow. And I I shout out to Tobias. Tobias, to me, hasn't gotten enough love this season. He's been killing from day one to the end of the season, being that second scorer that that they wanted Ben Simmons to be, but they have it in Tobias. He earned that check. Last season, I don't think he earned the paper that he got. But this season... Yeah. He, to me, in a weird kind of way, he was the number two scoring option, and he lived up to it. And then you got guys like Milton and Curry. If they are able to keep the spacing the way it's supposed to be, you can't sag off of Ben Simmons. And if Ben Simmons at any point yeah. decides he wants to play downhill or just beat it, because he was a facilitator in game two. If he decides he just wants yeah. to facilitate, I'm okay with that as long as those other three guys get those buckets. Because we know 35 to 40s come from Embiid as long as that knee holds up. So, okay, yeah. this is yeah. the last question before we get to the final series of the second round. In the event that Embiid knee can't hold up in this series, this is a partially torn meniscus, that can go either way. Do the Sixers have enough to get through the Hawks or are the Hawks the victors in the event that Embiid can't go? No, if he's out, they're going to win the series. Okay, okay, okay. I, because I think Embiid impacts so much. People are not talking about the defense he plays. And and the, we 
again, he was mentioned early on in early in the season about potentially being a defensive player of the year. He right. talked about it. Joel Embiid's ability to defend because they made an adjustment from game one to game two. He moved up on the pick and rolls, so Trey's no longer getting that floater as easily as he was, and he's getting blocks. He's, he's just disrupting lobs to Capella, who's going to end up being useless soon in this series, just like he was in Houston playing against the Warriors. <laughs> so Joel Embiid does so much offensively and defensively. As we just said, they can play slow because of him. So I, and he 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 changes the momentum by scoring. If they lose Joel Embiid, they're going to lose the series because now they're going to play fast because now everything's going to run through Ben Simmons to be their, their focal point offensively in terms of getting their offense and getting their offense started. We've seen that years ago when, when Ben, when anytime Joel Embiid misses games, their offense goes faster. So mm-hmm. then they're going to play right into the Hawks' hand. I think that I think it'd be even worse if, if once Embiid's out. Oh no, Hawks! The the heavens have opened up if that happens. Okay, so for the record, if everything stays the status quo, you have Philly in six, and I have Philly in yeah. six, maybe seven. Yeah, got it. Let's head over to Brooklyn. Let's head over to the home city, New York City. Brooklyn is part of New York City, people. I know y'all seem to act like it's a whole other world. New York City has five boroughs. That's Brooklyn right. is one of them. Uh, I don't That's want to right. spend too much time on Brooklyn. We know what we saw. Everyone else saw the same yeah. thing that we saw. We've been seeing it since the, 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 the Celtics series. We got to talk about the Bucks. We got to talk about Giannis. At this mm-hmm. point, I'm looking at him, and I hate to do this because he's a two-time MVP. He's a defensive player of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, uh, we packing him up, right? We packing him up? I had the next... Y'all, we ain't packing him up already, I, wait, I, Well, to be fair... I had the Nets taking this series in five. I don't understand. I don't understand why people were gassing the Bucks up. To me, this was a five piece. Right, we talked about that. You know what I mean? But I'm looking right. at Giannis, right. and I see. You know what? And I'm gonna talk about this in a future episode. There's so many limited players in the NBA who are getting awards. Mm-hmm. Talk get, about it. They get they getting MVPs, Defensive Players of the Year. Mm-hmm. They getting two hundred million dollar contracts. But then I look mm-hmm. at them play the physical act of the game and I'm like how Giannis is a a, a, mm-hmm. a, a freak athlete but my mm-hmm. shooting form is better than his he looks so <laughs> discombobulated when he pulls up for a shot when he when he shoots three pointers he has to have at least 10 feet between him and the closeout because it'll get tossed mm-hmm. if he has a hand in his face he won't even try it if there's mm-hmm. anyone too close I don't understand how Giannis mm-hmm. has gotten to this point in his career where he's gotten this far without a basic mm-hmm. one dribble pull up to each elbow. Where is it at? Mm-hmm. How do you have all of this athleticism, all of this a- acceleration and whatnot, and you don't have the coordination to put the ball on the floor and pull up? You know, maybe, and the thing is, sometimes I watch Cove for his whole career. And I know that my point of view sometimes when I look at Hoopers is, is, is skewed because the scale that I'm grading them at is the Kobe scale. You know what I mean? And I'm oh, like, well, you, oh, you, well. You, that's, that's the standard, bro. That's the standard. You don't ever apologize. No, that's the standard, baby. Keep that standard. Go ahead. That's I fair. just had to cut you off to say that. And now, I keep the standard, like, man. No, we ain't lowering nothing, man. As great as Kobe was with his physical gifts, he made sure to make sure he had the toolkit. I'm going to go. That's I'm right. A, I'm a one dribble pull up left. One dribble pull up right. Fade over both shoulders. That's when I told people Chris Das Porzingis was not like that. Because he couldn't he couldn't hit the turnaround over his left shoulder. And they laughed at me. Now look. You know what I'm saying? I look for these things mm-hmm. from the elites. And I look at Giannis That's and I'm right. like, 
yeah, he's made some improvements. We're not here to act like it didn't happen. But at this right. point, after two MVPs, as good as you are going north and south, you do not have enough to beat a team that you're better than. Because sometimes the superstar player, some people act like it's a team game. We've watched enough hoop to know that sometimes the better team doesn't always win because the better player's on the other side. Giannis doesn't have the toolkit to beat Brooklyn because as how many times does a physical human being want to drive to the rim in the playoffs over and over? Mm. It's taxing. You know what you can do? One dribble pull up. One dribble pull up each side. One dribble pump fake, draw foul. One dribble pump fake, draw foul. Step back three. Or hit hit an open Mm -hmm. shot on the wing. Where are these looks? Because when you have that advantage as a singular offensive player, it opens up the offense for you and the rest of your team. Reading, Chris Middleton is who he is. We can't expect him. He's getting superstar Klay Thompson money, but we know he's not like that. Drew Holiday, it, it's, Drew Holiday has not been a good fit for Giannis from day one because Giannis, and we talked about this in the past, when you have your best player, right? This is the difference between the elites and the not so elites in the NBA. Little things that people never talk about, Mike. When your best player mm-hmm. needs to dribble too much to be effective, unless you have the mm. right guy next to him, you won't be as good as you're supposed to be because one guy dominates the action too much. We not getting Drew Holiday in HD all the time because Giannis needs to dribble too much to be effective. He can't catch the ball and go. Right. How often does Giannis play off the catch? So I'm looking at this Brooklyn matchup and I'm like, this is exactly why. Giannis can't prove me wrong because he's not like that. I said all of that to say that. Giannis Antetokounmpo, in my opinion, is not like that. His bag is lacking. In fact, he has no bag. And how can you be one of the best players with no bag against an elite team? That's why KD might have said what he said to Jay Will, because KD laughs at guys like Giannis. Because KD has the ultimate bag. He he worked on every aspect of his game. And it kind of makes me sick, Mike. I'm ranting. I'm sorry, but I got to get this off. That guys like Giannis... Go, no, get it off, man. Go off, bro. Go off, bro. That guys like Giannis got this far in the NBA without pure basketball skills. Physical freak, but the pure basketball skills lack. I think Milwaukee's dead. What do you have to say about the Bucks in this series? The Nets are not. The Nets are like that. Kyrie, KD, uh, Mike James, uh, Joe Harris, Blake Griffin looking like 2.0. We don't need to talk about the Nets. What, what do what do we need to see from the Bucks to make this a series? Bro, man, see, and, and, and Ray, see, this is why you, my man. We had this conversation, I think, a year or two ago about Giannis, man, and this is what we kept talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, we had it in the context of of people elevating Kawhi because he stopped. Yeah. And what did I and I said I'm not giving him credit for stopping a broken player already. Now it's easy to stop him because I, I watched the Celtics stop him. I, I watched the Celtics the year before Kawhi did it. I watched the Celtics do the same thing, and they didn't have Kawhi Leonard. So it, it, it's very easy to stop him because of all the things you Mike, just said. They're not it, even he, sending consistent doubles his way, bro. They're not even sending consistent doubles his way. What? what because what for? What for? You, it's it's a very simple. He he. It's not like uh, let it, it. It would be one thing if you just uh, your primary move was driving to the basket. Like, right. I'll give you an example. Early LeBron James, he wasn't a good shooter. We all know this, but he had an array. He never had a go-to move, mm-hmm. but he still don't have one. But he had enough array of moves, handle-wise, where he could get to the basket at will. Yay, freight train! And then he. But what did LeBron realize? Oh, snap, Greg Popovich is just going to keep leaving me open and I'm going to miss them all the time. Okay, so then I got to work on my game. It's what you just said. 
Giannis and dudes like him and Ben Simmons, you guys are disrespecting the game because you don't work on your game. You should be spending every offseason working on the areas you're failing in. Jordan lost to the Pistons. He realized, oh, they're fouling me too much. What should I do to change that? Oh, I'll gain more weight. I'll start shooting. I'll start working on my jump shot so I don't have to go and bang with them all the time. Mm -hmm. That worked. Kobe, same thing. When y'all lost to the Pistons, Kobe said, let me put on some weight. They're more physical. Every year, the great ones, Kevin Durant, what did he say? He said, while everybody else doing lifting weights and all that, I work on every shot that I can make so that when it's time for me to play, you see that I can get 32 points in, in three quarters on 12 of 18 shoot. I can do that because I work on my game every single year. I don't just, Giannis last year, I don't want to work out with other guys because I, I, I want to do my own thing. Okay, you want to play the competitive route, but guess what happens when you work with them other guys? You would get cooked and they would show you, oh, this is what you don't have. You need to develop that. You need to get this in your arsenal. You need to get that 15 footer, that yo, 12 footer. You need to get that step. Yo, Mike, it, that's what it imagine is. Imagine if he caught the ball in a wing and just gave you a little oh, jab, Steph, a little, a little shoulder oh. shimmy just to get the defender off him for a second and pulled up or drew a foul on the swing if, through. If he just had these bro, couple Giannis, of pieces. Yo, bro, if Giannis had half of the things that you mentioned, half, he would be the best player in the league and potentially the greatest player ever. Mm. If he had half of that, because the physical gifts are there. If he just had that, and that's the problem with a lot of players. You know this. AAU basketball has done it to a lot of players. Mm. Nobody works on their game. Nobody works on fundamentals. It's, oh, you're athletic? Okay, go play. We don't teach you any skills. That's why these European players come over here and mm. like Luca, and they shock everyone because they're so skilled in so many different areas of the actual game of basketball. They don't rely on Jokic. Look, the, the current MVP, he's at, about as athletic as somebody's old grandma or something. But, <laughs> no, bad. It's grandma. but he's, he's non-athletic, but there's skill oozing out of him. Everywhere is nothing but skill on how to play basketball. Giannis could even learn how to post up. If you want to be on the low block, this is what we talked about. He could be on the low block. If you want to be the Shaq, then learn how, then go call Hakeem Olajuwon like go. everybody else did back in the day and tell him work on your game for a month. For a whole summer, you work with Hakeem Olajuwon. Yo, He'll teach you his post up. You said Shaq, right? This, this this guy Giannis is so long. If he invested in that move, Shaq massive that drop step hook shot, unstoppable. Of if course. Giannis got that in his back, unstoppable. If he learned how to spin strong side, a spin weak side, and finish or, or up and under these little, I'm just and things like oh, there'll be some jabroni that will pull up a highlight of him doing one post move. Anyone can make one shot at the NBA level from the post. We're talking about teams scheming against it because it's part of your skill set. Not you, you you caught a mismatch and you and you had a post. I'm talking about against anyone. I'm calling for the ball. Even like you mentioned LeBron. As at a certain point, LeBron figured out that he gotta get something in the post. It might not look exactly. the prettiest. But when he that turnaround Jimmy baseline is almost automatic. Braun didn't have that when he came into the league. He was studying Kobe because he was studying Kobe. He they was in the Olympics every year. You think they wasn't? That's why it didn't make no sense what Giannis was saying last year about oh I'm not gonna work out with dudes in the off season. Right. You trying to be competitive, but bro, you're not that good. You're not as good as you think you are. You need to work out with them because they all got skill sets you don't have. Those Olympic years, why do you think everybody reveres Kobe like that? Because Kobe was teaching them things. 
in those practices in the Olympics, Kobe's showing them their his moves, those turnaways, because they didn't get Jordan there to talk. Kobe showed Jordan them. taught Kobe. Right. Kobe taught them. It's that's how it works. Kobe so showed Giannis, them how yeah. how much just just people knowing what you can do with the ball in your hand impacts all the exactly. actions around you in a half court offense. Exactly. That's all I've been asking exactly. for. Exactly. <laughs> simple, simple. <laughs> Playoff basketball is half court offense. It's not going to be fast breaks. So you have to develop an ability to score in a half court. Nobody's letting you get dunked, bro. That's a fact. So it is. I'm, I'm, I'm in here ranting with you, bro, because it's, it's, it's sad because you a player like that. You looking and seeing, man, if he would just work on his. Yo, listen, we all benefit if Giannis plays better. Exactly. Like, that's a benefit to us. It don't, like, we don't want him to fail. Like, why? Giannis like, talking about it's better for threes. us as NBA fans. Giannis only need to shoot another three-pointer. Get that dribble, one dribble pull-up. And, thing is, and once we don't they want know, him to be Steph Curry. Right. <laughs> and, and once they know you have that, that second defender will come consistently in the playoffs. And once they commit oh, to double-teaming you, it opens the floor for everybody else. It's not rocket science. Not you simple, can, you man. can we, beat up on teams that you're better than. But when you face a good team who, who are not afraid of you, it, in the playoffs, there's, like I always say, there's no random Tuesday in the NBA in the playoffs. You're playing a good team every no. night. So if you play this good team every, every night. night, you need to be as good as or better than this team in order to get wins. And Giannis don't have enough, in my opinion. No, and, and I said it in the beginning of the season. I liked the moves that they made, but ultimately I knew they were just more or less lateral moves. Mm. The, the way they are going to elevate is him elevating. That's how it works. The NBA is very simple. Unless you're going to buy a million superstars like other teams, your number one guy has to get better, which then makes the people around him better that you get with him. It's that simple. So ultimately, he had to get better. So to answer your question, what it's going to take for them to make this a series and win it, he is going to have to be more than just, I'm going to try to dunk. Because KD, everybody's saying, oh, they're going back to Milwaukee. Yeah, but KD ain't staying in Brooklyn. He coming to Milwaukee too. And the last time he was in Milwaukee, he had 42. So don't it ain't like KD staying home and then they going. And you so, know what's funny? Bro, that Mike, dude is gonna be there. Kyrie was cooking them in the first quarter and then they panicked and then KD got in them. <laughs> Come what on, you gonna, they don't even need hard. They, they coming. Like, Brooklyn is coming. It's not like they just gonna chill and be like, oh well, like, you heard what KD and Kyrie said Fact. after the game. These are champions. Mm-hmm. These ain't no first-time playoff performers. These are champions. They know what it means to win the first two games. And then everybody come out crazy game three at the other home arena. No, they come in to win game three. So Giannis, step your game up. Him, or we packing you up, bro. After this this season, it's time to pack you up. Let's talk about it, Mike. Is this going to be a sweep or a five piece? Man, it's feeling like a five piece, brother. I'm going to try to get, I I feel like he could get game three because of the energy of the crowd. But listen, I saw KD walk into the queue with LeBron across from him mm-hmm. and hit a game winner in game three. So I don't think he's fearing Giannis at all. So let's just be real about that. I saw him walk into the queue in a game three being up 2-0 and score on LeBron. So I've right. seen it happen. I'm, so, I'm going to go for like, disrespectful and say it's going to be a sweep. I'm doing it. Hey, man. That's crazy, bro. <laughs> you can't give a one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it. It's going to be a sweep. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm I, doing I, it. Why not? It's the way game two looked, and it's not like I can't say respectfully for that. You said all disrespect, so we can't say respect. You're right. I just feel like it ain't like the Bucks didn't lie down in game two, and it just didn't matter, and that stood out the most to me in game two. It's not like they quit. It's not like the Lakers in game five against Phoenix where they obviously quit. They tried, and they just couldn't do anything with the Nets. And because of yeah, that, I'm looking at this. Right, and I'm looking at the Nets looking at this like, y'all was real disrespectful picking against us when it comes to the Bucks. I think they took that personally. And I'm seeing that Fact. through the first two games. And I, you know what? I could be wrong. I don't live this game to be right and wrong. Some people, you know you know how that go. Nah. I'm just saying the yeah, way yeah. it looks right now, I got the Nets Look packing ugly. them up. The brooms are ready. They got the brooms on the plane. It's black and white brooms. It's going to get ugly. But, Mike, we got to wrap this episode up. This is as fun as always. I'm going to try to get back to you next week. We can keep this rolling throughout the playoffs. Sucker free NBA playoff talk. As long as you're free and I'm free, we're going to make this happen. Real quick for the new listeners, uh, let them know where they can find you real quick. You know, let me get my drops right. I need you to identify yourself to the world real quick. Uh, Mike Miller, man, uh, also affectionately known or professionally known as Pastor Mike Miller, <laughs> Philadelphia Seventh-day Adventist Church and, and San Antonio, Texas and Atascosa First SDA Church in Atascosa, Texas. So you can find me there um, on our website, PhiladelphiaSDAChurch.org. And you can also find me on Instagram, God's Soul Brother One, that's G-O-D-S underscore S-O-U-L-B-R-O-T-H-A-1. God, soul, brother, underscore one, man. Yo, Ray, as always, you my man, man. I love talking basketball, man. Likewise, I I love talking basketball with you, bro. You you bring the best out of me. That's why I'm like, playoffs, I need Mike on this show consistently. It's the best version of the gray area when Mike pulls up, bro. Iron sharpens iron, brother. We're going to talk soon. I'm going to hit you on a text, and we're going to figure out when the next link up is going to be. For sure. Yes, sir. Peace, man. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Miller doing what he does best alongside your boy Jov. And the saying goes, Whether you like it or don't like it, sit down and look at it because it's the best going today. Woo! Perfect.